everything just kind of piled up. And one day, I just decided, you know what, tomorrow morning, it ends. I just felt like I didn't want to live anymore. You're listening to The Lid Is On from UN News. I'm Yasmina Gwerda. You've just heard Sheila Akwara, a singer from Kenya who struggled with depression and attempted to commit suicide several times. She's one of hundreds of thousands who struggle with this daily, and we'll hear more from her in a minute. But first, let's take stock of this global problem. Every 40 seconds, someone dies by taking their own life somewhere in the world. And it is estimated that for every adult committing suicide, there are 20 more who attempt it. It affects the poor, the wealthy, the young, the elderly, women and men alike. No group is immune, and the impact on families, friends and communities is, of course, devastating and far-reaching. Yet it is entirely preventable. The World Health Organization, WHO, calls it a global public health priority. As this week marks World Suicide Prevention Day, WHO produced a toolkit to help governments and communities tackle the issue. We spoke to Dr. Alexandra Fleischmann, who is WHO's focal point for suicide prevention. She shared with us the magnitude of the problem and some of the UN's actions and recommendations for effective suicide prevention. There are close to 800,000 people who die by suicide every year. And this can be translated into one death every 40 seconds. So it's really a major public health problem for the world. Some people might think it's only happening in high-income countries, but in fact, 79% of suicides happen in low- and middle-income countries. What are the measures that governments can take to tackle this issue? WHO calls for action to develop and implement comprehensive national suicide prevention strategies. And as we have several risk factors at play, a government would need to look at reducing access to means of suicide, but also at responsible reporting of suicide in the media in order to avoid cases of imitation. Another issue is the early identification and treatment of mental disorders, such as depression. And people who suffer from depression have to be managed and followed up. The research has shown that the follow-up is really something critical. And then more recent research also shows the effectiveness of school-based interventions. So WHO is currently develop a package for adolescents. Since uh, young people are still at the early stages of development, they can still train their skills for problem solving and for coping. And these are essential skills uh, to prevent mental disorders and also self-harm and suicide. An important fact is that actually, if you're in the age group of 15 to 29 years old, then suicide is the second most important cause of death. So there is really a need for intervening early, and, and this is why we develop such training packages for adolescents. According to Dr. Fleischmann, among adolescents, girls are particularly vulnerable. To discuss this bleak reality, we invited Sheila Akwara into our studio. She spent her childhood in Kenya in what she describes as a beautiful and happy family of five. But that didn't stop her from suffering from depression and what she calls a lack of identity. 
Having survived multiple suicide attempts herself, she is now working with youth in Kenya and in the U.S. to share messages of hope and faith. I had a very turbulent childhood. I really didn't understand myself. It was just very strange, you know, as a child, you should be playing with like dolls and with your friends outside. But I felt like I had difficulties connecting with other kids. And we had a lot of things going on in my family. Like my dad's brother, sometimes they would come to the house and, you know, because we're girls, they would call us um, like good for nothing. You're just girls. And when you're young, those words sort of like stick with you. Um, also in school, like I used to be beaten a lot, like I wasn't even like a human being. So everything just kind of piled up. And one day I just decided, you know what, tomorrow morning it ends. I just felt like I didn't want to live anymore. And I was 14 years old. I was in a boarding school. And I decided uh, I was going to go to the clinic and just take a bunch of pills and end my life. Could have died that day. And... Um, no one asked me, like, are you okay? Are you sick? No one wanted to take me to the hospital. No one asked anything. So what got you through it? What got you out of it? How did you manage to overcome this feeling? So I went through this for, like, over 20 years. It was just this constant desire to just want to die. I tried to read books. I tried to be around friends. I tried to, you know, listen to positive music, whatever. You can name it. I, I tried everything. And one day I just I said a prayer. That's what helped me. I know like uh, we live in a world where we have different types of beliefs and I'm definitely not trying to throw my belief on anyone, but I'm just saying that's what helped me. And then from that moment onwards it became like a process now of healing. I come from a culture where we don't discuss these issues at all. I love my continent, but I feel like this is a topic that we need to break the taboo off of. Um, we need to speak about it. What is some of the work that you are doing now to help people who are in a similar situation? I'm starting an organization to help other young kids who pass through similar trials or are passing through similar trials, um, putting together sort of like an educational tool that can be used, especially in schools in Africa, that can help teachers in addressing individuals going through suicidal issues. We have so many broken families, so many young people who don't relate to their mothers and fathers. And I want them to know that you could be like me where it was broken and now you're healed. My understanding is that music has played a very important role in your recovery. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so when I was young, I used to sing. I knew I was always going to be a singer. Everyone in my family thought it was like a phase. <laughs> but I used to write a lot since I was like six, seven years old. And I started recording professionally when I was 13. Just positive type of music where I'm encouraging others to find strength, to move on, find hope. It's helped me a lot. Would you sing a song for us? <laughs> <laughs> sure. Feels like I've been here before. I want to leave but don't know where to go. I need you in my life to show me the way. I'm not moving until you say go. Don't want to feel this way, no. Don't want this pain in my heart Take it away Oh, take the pain away That's the song. <laughs> wow, thank you very much. And so in the, in the work that you've done with the youth, is there a story in particular that has stayed with you? Um, yes. 
So I got an amazing opportunity this year to go back to one of the schools that I went to in Kenya to go and speak to the young people. I spoke to the kids. I was actually very nervous, more than they knew. But after I finished speaking to them, one little boy came to me. He had to be like about nine years of age. He was scratching his head. He's like, I need to ask you a question. So I pulled him aside and I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, every time I just keep hearing, you're lazy, you're lazy. And he keeps like pointing to like his head, like he's just doing this motion, like you're lazy, you're lazy. And I'm like, what do you mean? I just keep hearing you're lazy. And I said, well, who called you lazy? And he said, when I was in kindergarten, my teachers used to call me lazy. And I just feel like worthless. I just feel like I can't do anything. And I said, well, when you look at yourself, what do you think? What do you call yourself? And he's like, I know I'm not lazy. And I'm like, but why are you allowing this word to have such a, an effect on you, to have such power over you? And he just started to smile and now he started to like engage with me. So I feel like if you encourage young people and you teach them how to use the words that are being thrown at them, like the negative words, you teach them how to disassociate themselves from that, then I feel like we can heal many more people. But we need to just speak and have that open and safe space for them to, to tell their story. So there's a lot of people out there suffering from depression and I was wondering if there's anyone out there today listening to what you're saying, right. um, what is the one message you would like to, to share with them? What is the one thing you'd like them to, to hear? Okay, well let me even address this personally. So I don't know who's listening to this and I don't know what you're going through, um, but I can relate with your struggle. I've been there. But you're not defined by an event and you're not de defined by people's words. You have more strength and resilience in you. And I want you to focus on your future and the vision that you have inside of you. We all want to aspire to be something great, whether it's a teacher or a singer like me or whether it's uh, you know working at the UN or whether it's working with some amazing organization or group of people. Focus on that. When you're going through these tough moments, it doesn't mean that this is the end of you. If you look close enough, there's someone around you that you can talk to. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me. The World Health Organization warns that in too many countries still, suicide remains a taboo. This can prevent many who are thinking about taking their own life from seeking the help they need. Currently, only 38 countries in the world report having a national suicide prevention strategy. If you want to find out more about how you can help prevent suicide in your community, go to who.int slash mental health and search for the Preventing Suicide Resources. This was The Lid Is On from UN News. I'm Yasmina Gordo.